Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Now, Gavin, what we're doing is we're pushing Star Wars to next week and the Bernie Sanders one to the end of the... I, I know. I know. It's been that kind of week. Let's just hope we're all here by the end of the month. Ass. The following podcast contains... Only I didn't say fudge. And for gosh sake, watch your language. Watch your profanity. Right, I'm sorry. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you assassinated a member of a foreign government in an act of war without any kind of forethought, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, January 3rd, 2020. Got himself in a little jam way over yonder in Iran edition of the show, where we talk about the latest iteration of our forever war. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Think Your Podcast is brought to you by World War III. It's been here all along. A lot of you have been wondering, when will the next global conflict erupt to rip our nations asunder and send the world plunging into chaos? When will World War III happen? It already has. For 20 years, the world has been constantly at war, people dying, vast amounts of money spent, and the military-industrial hunt complex humming along, producing weapons to fight it. Africa, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East all have battles going on pretty much all the time. That sure sounds like a world war to us. World War III is here, and it isn't going anywhere. So get ready to keep on fighting forever, and God bless the United States of America. Iran's most revered and feared commander, Qasem Soleimani, leaves a gaping hole in Iran's warfighting machine. The theocracy's foremost fighter, killed in this devastating rocket strike, was both the brains and the brawn behind a coalition of Shia fundamentalist proxies loyal to Iran's ayatollahs across the Mideast. He began his war fighting in the 1980s, a young man in his 20s, rising rapidly through Iran's military ranks in the brutal Iran-Iraq war. At least half a million troops were killed. Battles fought World War I-style in trenches, chemical weapons used by both sides. Soleimani emerged, battle-tested, battle-hardened, a hero, soon after becoming a commander in the IRGC, Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Within a decade, he'd risen again to head the IRGC's elite Quds Force. Following the US invasion of Iraq in 2003, Soleimani became Iran's point man, directing and dispersing funding to Iran's proxies killing US forces. Man! We couldn't even get to the first fucking Friday of 2020 without the world blowing up. I mean, this year is so new, it still has that sticky plastic on it that's so fun to pull off when you find it weeks after you get a new piece of electronics and then slowly peel it away a little bit at a time. I love that. That's how new this year is. And already the shit has not only hit the fan, but also shorted out the fan and started an electrical fire in the house where the fan was residing. We couldn't even wait till Monday, man. What the fuck? 
And I didn't plan on talking about this shit. I was sitting on a Friday morning desperately knocking out a whole new show script trying to catch up with the shit that went down while I went to sleep on Thursday. I mean, I had two other scripts nearly finished because this was a short week and I was feeling all cocky and that I was way, way, way ahead of the game. That right there was the biggest mistake you've ever made. Oh, not even close. Trust me, I've made bigger mistakes before breakfast than just being a little cocky. All right, let's get into this shit. Let me set the stage because nothing happens in a vacuum. On December 27, 2019, a military outpost in the Iraqi city of Kirkuk was struck with several rockets launched by pro-Iranian militants in Iraq. The attack wounded several U.S. military members and killed a U.S. defense contractor. In retaliation, the United States launched airstrikes in Iraq and Syria against the groups presumed to be responsible for the rocket attacks. This caused the supporters of said militia group to surround the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, attempt to storm the wall, and put the embassy in lockdown while reinforcements were rushed from the, from the embassy from Kuwait. And for a while there, there were legitimate fears the embassy might be overrun, like the U.S. Embassy in Tehran in the 1970s or the consulate of Benghazi in the 2010s. Eventually, though, the Iraqi government restored order, dispersed the crowd, while the U.S. bolstered the embassy's defenses and rushed more troops into the area. Everyone got that? Everyone clear? Uh. Now, according to administration officials... You can't trust those fucking people. <laughs> no, we really can, and that's actually a problem. But still, according to them, this protest was entirely provoked by Iran. Former U.S. Ambassador to Iraq Ryan Crocker told NPR on New Year's Day, quote, I don't think there's any question at all that Khatib Hezbollah is well known to us. They didn't materialize yesterday. They've been a long-term Iranian proxy in Iraq. So the Iranian, the Iranian hand here is not really concealed, unquote. President Cheeto flat out blamed Iran for provoking the siege in a quasi-literate tweet that I'm not going to bother repeating here. Which is why, early Sunday morning Baghdad time, a U.S. missile struck a two-vehicle convoy at the International Airport in Baghdad. From the New York Times, quote, The commander, Major General Qasim Soleimani, who led the powerful Quds Force of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, was killed along with several officials from Iraqi militias backed by Tehran, when an American MQ-9 Reaper drone fired missiles into a convoy that was leaving the airport. General Soleimani was the architect of nearly every significant operation by Iranian intelligence and military forces over the past two decades, and his death was a staggering blow for Iran at a time of sweeping geopolitical conflict. And it goes on to say somewhat later on that Mr. Trump took actions against pre that Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama had rejected, fearing it would lead to war between the United States and Iran, unquote. But, uh, you know, Donnie Tangerine, he don't listen to people when they tell him. Boss, I don't think that was such a good idea. There's no question that Suleimani was a bad dude. You heard a little bit at the top of the show about him, but the TLDR on him is that he fought in the Iran-Iraq war in the 1980s and respected by his troops and considered a hero of the Islamic Revolution. He rose to a position of power as a commander of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards, the paramilitary force separate from the Iranian army and loyal to the Ayatollahs rather than the regular government. And for years, he's been suspected as the link between Iran and the various Shia terrorist groups throughout the Middle East. The U.S. suspected him of being, quote, responsible for the death of hundreds American and coalition service members and the woundings of thousands more, unquote, though they have yet to provide details on why they believe this is the case. From CNN, quote, U.S. officials believe that during the Iraq war, it was Soleimani's units that provided Iraqi insurgents with specially made bombs that could penetrate armor, a deadly weapon against American forces, a claim that Iran denied. During the war against ISIS, Soleimani was often reported to be on the battlefields in Iraq, slipping in and out of the country to help Shia Iraqi forces battle extremist militants. Soleimani's Quds forces also 
wreaked havoc far beyond the Middle East. U.S. Treasury officials say Soleimani was involved in a notorious plot on American soil, overseeing Quds Force officers who in 2011 tried and failed to assassinate Saudi Ambassador to the United States, Adel Al-Jaber, at a Washington upscale Cafe Milano in a statement on Friday. The Defense Department said that Soleimani was, quote, actively developing plans to attack American diplomats and service members in Iraq and throughout the region, unquote. Like I said, pretty much everyone agrees that this fucker was one of the bad guys and the world's better off with him gone. But there's just a one small problem. I thought there might be another side to this story. Oh, God, yeah, there is. You see, Soleimani was kind of a national hero to a certain set of people in Iran. I mean, we're talking Captain fucking American level hero to the some of the people in this country. And... He is widely acknowledged as to be charismatic, loyal to subordinates, respectful superiors, and utterly committed to what was the best for his nation, his people, and his cause. And just because they own our causes doesn't mean his folks didn't adore him. And I know this is going to be dated and lost on a lot of you kids, but just imagine someone dropped a bomb on Storm and Norman Schwarzkopfen at a Toronto airport in 1992. Good Lord, my Storm and Norman... Sorry, we don't really have a lot of contemporary generals that people love, okay? So the people of Iran, who historically have not taken slights by the good old U.S. of A. philosophically, what with them propping up a brutal dictator, with us propping up a brutal dictatorial regime for so long and, and then whatnot, they tend to be a little, I don't know, uh... Some people are so touchy. When we do things like kill one of their heroes. Also, and I really can't overemphasize this enough, Soleimani wasn't some leader of a terrorist group backed by Iran. He was, you know, an actual general. He wore a uniform. His paycheck was signed by the Iranian government. He held a title and rank and shit. He was illegally a part of the nation of Iran's government and, by international law, assorted for a certain amount of protection from having a Hellfire missile dropped on his ass by a U.S. drone. Good to know. And dude was very politically influential. Himidi considered him the number two of the Iranian military and widely considered him as a future political leader for the nation. He wasn't Osama bin Laden or some Taliban warlord. This guy was a government official in every sense of the word, and we blew him up. There's a term for blowing up foreign government officials without warning, and the one that's used isn't very lightly said in international circles. Make no mistake, this is an act of war. From an article in the New Yorker on Friday morning, quote, was the U.S. attack an act of war? Douglas Stillman, who was the U.S. ambassador to Iraq until last winter and is now the president of the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington, told me that the death of Soleimani was the equivalent of Iran killing the commander of U.S. military operations in the Middle East and South Asia. If Iran had killed the commander of U.S. Central Command, what would we consider it to be, he said. John Limbert, one of 52 Americans who were taken hostage in Iran in 1979, told me that he was happy Soleimani was gone, but quickly added, this is not going to end well, unquote. I'm not arguing the necessity or even the legality of the killing. Both of those are certainly up for question. And admittedly, I don't trust the current administration any further than I can toss the Empire State Building. So I'm loath to believe any claims that Soleimani was planning imminent military action against U.S. forces or interests in Iraq. At the same time, that was literally the dude's M.O. It was his job to do shit like that. Over the past few years of increasing tensions with Iran, tensions brought on solely by the action of the bloated arms dipshit in the Oval Office out of a fit of petty 
peak over the five-party nuclear deal that he pulled out of and resuming sanctions against Iran, thinking his shitty real estate cons somehow made him God's gift to international affairs. And he's definitely led Iran into increased meddling in local affairs to destabilize U.S. goals. So yeah, there was probably a clear and present threat. And yeah, unfortunately, we've ceded so much power to the executive branch that Trump probably had the authority to do what he did even if he did cut some congressional corners to do it. What I'm talking about is the consequences of doing it and whether or not they were worth it. So uh, on this one, unfortunately, I have to say no. What the neocons and the Trump hawks all seem to fail to grasp is that Iran isn't Iraq. Iraq was a disparate group of people with conflicting goals beaten down by decades of warfare from every corner and suffering from a longer period of misrule. Nor is it like Afghanistan, a nation in name only filled with competing tribal factions and immune to the persuasions of modernity. I could also point out our dismal track records in both of those nations, but I think we all know that. Iran is a unified nation, unified by ethnicity, religion, and national history. They have a relatively modern professional standing army and a strong paramilitary force skilled in irregular warfare. Iran has a rich historical sense of self that stretches back to the fucking Persian Empire that unites them in common sense and purpose. And this is a nation that has stood up to the United States repeatedly and came off well in the exchanges. What We cannot be treating Iran as though they were some two-bit regional power with limited influence and a weak military because they are the exact opposite of that. Iran has money, influence, a population largely united behind their leadership, and an effective army. They are not a people to be trifled with lightly because they are a regional power, and in a, midgel- in a military conflict, they will inflict damage on anyone that comes against them. Why do you like them so much? I don't like them, but I damn sure respect them and what they can do, and so should the people in the Pentagon, hopefully. I know no one remembers this today, but back in 1990, before the first Iraq war, the consensus was that the war would cost the Allies thousands of casualties as the Iraqi military was trumpeted as this powerful war machine. It turned out to be completely hollow. There is zero indications that Iran's military is similarly hollow. Their missiles have the range to reach deep into Saudi territory, Kuwait, Israel, and the Emirates, shutting down oil production and closing the Persian Gulf to shipping and threatening a wider war. Their affiliates could conduct acts of terrorism around the world, including here in the United States. I'm not saying Iran would win. I'm saying they would make us bleed. And Americans haven't done that in a war in over 50 years. It's one thing to see coffins come off the plane at Andrews a couple at a time. It's another to see them coming off dozens or hundreds at the time. Another still to have American people die in American cities. And we can forget about having any help aside from the Israelis who's been hankering to take a bite out of Iran for a generation or more. Europe's out. Russia and China both have close ties to Iran. Not enough that they would go to war for them themselves to defend Iran, but they'd be happy to funnel arms and equipment in to bog the U.S. down in a long, protracted, unwinnable conflict in Iran. Our Saudi allies will happily pony up cash and maybe some bases, but you won't see any of them behind a trigger. That's not how they roll, y'all. They hire us, their U.S. mercenaries, for that. And finally, we would be entering a war in an unprecedented situation, even by today's fucked-up standards. In an election year 
with an impeached president, the country divided, and the commander-in-chief a wildly incompetent, irrational narcissist whose mental stability is on the best of days less durable than a saltine in a water glass. And now we're in a shooting war against Iran and taking casualties? How long before President Thinskin starts wondering why we can't just drop a couple of nukes on those annoying little pissants and show them what he says when he means make America great again? I'm not being hyperbolic. Every one of you knows exactly what I mean and what it would mean for the world if, no, so, sorry, not if, when he does it. This is it. This is the end of the world. I mean, all we've really got going for us is that Trump is at his heart a fucking pussy. He lacks the sack for a real confrontation with real blood being spilled by Americans. But of course, his natural cowardice also makes him more likely to do something like drop a nuke. So, you know, take the good with the bad. Or, hey, look, I'm obligated to present you the other side. I could be completely wrong. Suzanne Maloney, an Iran expert for Brookings, told Vox, quote, there's some degree of uncertainty that Iran is facing now. I don't see the Iranians eager to engage in a direct military conflict with Washington that they know they would lose and would ultimately result in the end of their own regime. To date, their advantage has been they're willing to press Trump administration in ways that risk that kind of conflict, something I think Trump wants to avoid in an election year. Now the Americans have seized the escalation advantage, and this is why I think we're going to see some degree of caution, at least in the immediate aftermath of Soleimani's death from Tehran. It's also important to realize that these protests that happened in November have really shaken the power structure in terms of what the future looks like for this regime. There's a poll published just yesterday on the pro-government website in Iran that suggested that 50% of the residents polled in Tehran expect protests to continue. 66 aren't going to vote in next month's parliamentary elections, and 81% are dissatisfied with conditions inside of Iran. Those are not the kind of numbers you want if you're going to participate in a bilateral conflict with a superpower. I think this is a moment of reckoning with the Islamic Republic and that anyone who tells you that they know what's, where it's going is probably overconfident about their own powers of prediction, unquote. I mean, it's not like a war and the assassination of a national hero has ever caused a country that was on the fence about their sitting government to, you know, rally around the flag. That shit just doesn't happen. So, you know. Who knows, right? I'm not a fucking expert on Iran or international affairs or anything else. What the fuck do I know? I mean, history doesn't repeat or anything, but you know, it sure does love a rhyme. And in 1914, an assassination kicked off the First World War, largely because Kaiser Wilhelm, a vain, weak, petty man obsessed with his image on the world stage, allowed his military advisors to commit his nation to a war based on long-planned assumptions. And in 2020, a vain, weak, petty man obsessed with his image on the TV screen ignores his military advisors, plunges the nations forward into war because he thinks he'll get good ratings. I mean, not the same in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but boy, does that fucking rhyme. And what's worse, this is all out of our control now. We've got zero say in the politics of it and how this plays out. It's all in the hands of the president, manifestly unfit for office and utterly incapable of fulfilling his constitutional duties and displaying questionable mental health. All because we've chosen as a nation to wash our hands of the realities of the forever war on a global scale. Because our military is all volunteer and comes from a class we largely consider expendable. You know, dumb rednecks from the countries and kids from the inner city. Just like always.
We can get by with only paying token acknowledgments to their sacrifices by, I don't know, giving them 10% off of Denny's and letting them get on the fucking plane first and not really worry about whether they live or die. I mean, after all, they signed up for that shit, right? And we choose to ignore how we've spent trillions of dollars that could have been used to fix any number of problems here at home to drop bombs on tents and trucks, killing small-time petty criminals in the name of freedom. We've surrendered the check on power in Congress and the press so we wouldn't have to think about the consequences of war anymore because we found it, I don't know, unpleasant. In short, we fucked up decades ago and the final act of our abrogation of our power is about to thunk like a thick turd on a mahogany desk. We fucked up and our country is fucked and we need to unfuck our country before it is fucked forever. We won't unfuck the country by doing the same thing we've done over and over again, changing the names at the top of the roster without changing the policies that fucked us so. We cannot keep simply putting the same people in power over and over, generation after generation, hoping that magical underpants gnomes will come along and make everything work out all right. It's how we got here in the first place. It's how we got Donald Trump. Same people, same policies, same policies, same shit. And we get more and more fucked because of it. We cannot defuck ourselves by putting a young, fresh face with the same tired, broken policies at the top of the rosters. That's just changing the fuckers. We remain the fucked. And it is time to totally and completely unfuck ourselves by doing something radically different. It may not gently defuck our fucked up edness. It may fuck us in truly new and fucking exciting ways, but at least it will not be the same old fuck we've been fucking with all along. And this is what I have now decided to support Bernie Sanders, because say what you will about Bernie, he might fuck us up worse, but at least he won't be trying to. We simply have to stop these wars, this system which continues the forever wars, which spirals the country deeper and deeper into nihilism and despair. We simply must go in a new direction, and this is the year to do it because we cannot. I cannot fucking stand being fucked like this anymore. I mean, all of this is assuming, of course, that there is a country here in 11 months to unfuck ourselves with. At this point, I rule nothing out. That is it for our show this week. Didn't want to do the show. Didn't think it was going to need to do the show this week. I figured I'd do a cute little show about Star Wars and the stupidity around that. But here I am talking war some more. This is not the deal I signed up for, y'all. I'm fucking tired of it. Seriously. I'm tired of fucking waking up to a national disaster every goddamn morning. This shit needs to stop. So rate and review this show, follow on Twitter, all that shit. Goddamn, this is fucking tiresome. Smoke. I'm just fucking tiresome. I'm tired of fucking doing this. I'm turning into fucking Jim Jones at Jonestown. Just fucking give me some glasses, some fucking silver mirrored sunglasses, and some fucking Kool-Aid so I can just fucking sip it and just let it go. Because that's where the country's going if we all keep drinking the goddamn flavor aid coming that's being pushed on our throat. Oh, fuck. I'm just, oh. It's been a long fucking week, and I only worked a couple of days. So... Vote Bernie. That's right. I'm a full. I'm not a Bernie bro. I'll never be a Bernie bro. I mean, I, I want would prefer Liz Warren, but I I don't think that's going to happen now. Then honestly, maybe Bernie was the right choice all along. I'll I'll address that shortly in an entirely new show that uh, explains my new position. So uh, let me wrap this up. Uh, for me, Dave ain't going to study war no more. Bledsoe producer generals gathered in their passage, just like witches and black masses. Gavin and all the fictional country Joes and the fish on this show. We want to say, don't ask us. We uh, 
we don't give a damn, I guess. Our next stop is War in Iran. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.